Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome everyone to Rockin' Radio. This is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we've been here for six seasons, and this is the 31st episode of Season 6. And, of course, we're here to talk about your Missouri Tigers. I am your host, Dan Snelling. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see me on your left. Please take a moment to hit the like button. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Uh, with me uh, this week is the other Matt, uh, Matt Wafkins from just down the road at 170 here in St. Louis wearing... Uh, Representing the Blues uh, again tonight as they <laughs> is the NHL season that's over, right? Oh, now the Blues season's over, but the uh, the playoffs are just beginning. They're pretty okay. well matched. Yeah, but, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. The, the Blues are done. I'm sorry, I thought pretty sure the playoffs. I, I knew the playoffs were going. Um, unlike some, uh, I am completely engrossed in all things Portal and only things Portal. Uh, it is that that season. It is portal season. Uh, since you last joined us, we've had quite a bit uh, happen. Um, since we last recorded, we've had quite a bit happen. Uh, so last week, Matt and I talked about uh, Jamar Bates, um, sort of like what he is as a basketball player and, and all those things. Uh, since then, we've had Caden uh, Shedrick, uh, Mizzou's arguably Mizzou's top target uh, that we know of. Uh, I always like to emphasize that part because we're pretty sure that he was their top guy. He came on campus for a visit and all. Uh, he commits to Texas, so he's out. Uh, Matthew Cleveland, who we kind of thought was maybe uh, not really attainable, uh, showed up in Columbia, and now he's uh, Missouri's squarely in the mix for him. Uh, Missouri did get a commitment from Caleb Grill, the Iowa State transfer. Uh, a lot of things going on. Um, so, Watkins, why don't we start with the Shedrick situation? Um, because very clearly, it is problematic. Um, the one thing that I think uh, we all were hoping for is is that uh, that Shedrick would arrive in Columbia and. Uh, love everything about it and commit to the Tigers and be their starting center next year. Uh, instead, he's going to team up with Dylan DeSue uh, and Rodney Terry and Austin. Um, what, what was your initial take on that one? Um, surprised, but uh, probably not too surprised. I mean, Texas is a good program. They, uh, they were in the Elite Eight this year, won the Big Ten or Big 12 championship in Kansas City. <clears throat> Obviously, they had a little problems off the floor with their head coach, but uh, they've rectified that in some ways and uh, hired their interim to be full-time Rodney Terry. So, um, yeah, I would say I was a little little surprised because I knew Mizzou was hard after 
uh, Shedrick. So, you know, it's early in Dennis Gates' tenure. It's not too often that we've heard that he's really after a guy. A lot of it's, a lot of the commitments have been, especially in the portal, have been, oh, holy, we've got a bat signal here. What's going on? We have no idea who this is about. But it was Shedrick. It was, we knew he was, Mizzou was in his top 30, top 20, top five. They were getting a visit. Big need for the program, you know. And obviously didn't work out for him. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, I was a little surprised because I thought Mizzou was in good standing there. But, again, considering the competition, Texas is also in need of a uh, need of a man in the middle. So, um, you know, I wouldn't have put it 50-50, but I'm not shocked that it went out in the way it did. Yeah, uh, a lot of these transfer portal-type recruitments are kind of hard to, you know, get a full picture on um you know with the high school kids it's their kind of first time going through it they're trying to kind of embrace the process and uh and sort of live it up a little bit and i think for those reasons um there tends to be more like free flow of information uh and without that free flow of information because transfers i think are always a little bit more reserved they've gone through the recruiting process they they know what they're looking for more in a program uh you know than they did coming out of high school so you know they're grizzled veterans uh for lack of a better term i got the georgia down here trying to nest <laughs> george just lay down sweet okay um but uh you know but these guys like they they essentially they know what they're they're looking for and so it it tends to be quieter and it's harder to get kind of like a clear read uh with shedrick i know when he hit the portal he was a guy that like the three of us you me and and uh and matt harris were all like look this is a guy who's perfect for missouri uh he's 611 protects the rim well he didn't quite get what we thought was a fair shake i think what a lot of people thought was a fair shake under tony bennett um you know, and, and not to question Tony Bennett at all, because he's clearly a great basketball coach. He's won a national championship and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, but definitely a guy who I, I thought was talented. Um, everything that you wanted out of a center, uh, you know, 6'11", can run the floor, block shots, rebound, defends, can defend all over the floor. Perfect fit for Missouri. Um, so, we, you know, we like earmarked him. And then, essentially, you sort of watch these cutdowns happen. You don't really have any idea, like, how in the picture Missouri is, but they made the first and second cutdown all kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, and then you start, once once it starts reaching that point, you start kind of tapping, you know, different sources and trying to figure out, like, how serious this thing is. And everything that we heard back was that this was a very serious courtship, like, you know, Dennis Gates was front and center, uh, and and really seeking uh, Shedrick and wanting Shedrick to be a part of the Tigers. Uh, you know, I'm sure. Look, all coaches lose recruiting battles at some point, but it does sort of feel like you know the the the, the public <laughs> nature of it. It does sort of seem like this is like the first real time where like Dennis hasn't gotten his guy. Right. And the thing is, 
as you just mentioned, being public, we don't know that there haven't been these guys before that were just flying under the radar. <clears throat> Coaching staff really wanted them during the portal season. They brought them in for a visit. No one knew. He committed elsewhere. We we don't know if that ever happened. Um, obviously, well, right? Because like even like you bring up yeah, that was like the John Tanjay situation. Like like we had no idea he was on campus. We had no idea like Nick Honor made it to campus, and those guys are showing up in commitment commitment shots with full Mizzou gear, like they were on right. official visit. So you know it it is sort of tough to read. I mean, it's entirely possible using a guy like Tanjay for an example that if he visited Mizzou one weekend, didn't commit, goes to Crete in the next weekend, commits, we never found out that he was at Mizzou. You know, that's entirely possible. Obviously, it didn't work out that way to Mizzou's benefit, but the information that flows during the portal is just hard um, for a lot of the reasons you said, you know, that guys know what they're looking for. And then when you compound that recently with the um, transfer portal really taking off during the onset of COVID back in 2020, 2021. So much of this stuff is done via Zoom. So you can't track that, you know. Um, yeah. It's it, someone's going to see a guy on campus, which I believe is how we, we, uh, the public found out that Matt Cleveland was on campus is that someone saw him with the Rex. Yeah. You know, there was no source there. There had been rumblings that he may be may be visiting i've heard them other people have heard them but the actual yeah, we got we got word that they were that mizzou was working to get him on campus right i was under the impression that it was going to happen like this week and not last week so so know, the fact that someone actually laid eyes on him physically that's a lot different dynamic than trying to track down who the coaching staff is zoom zoom visiting with because you can't well um, yeah you know so that's that's something that's hard and then also a little bit difference with um, NIL now is that you can have a fairly traditional recruiting situation in the portal, um, but you have to throw in the free agency aspect of it too, that we don't know how much for certain players money is playing a role into it. And we also don't know how much one staff gives, gives an offer to a player. I shouldn't say the staff, the collective, whatever's above board in the state, um, and then they go and bounce that off of another collective at another school and see if they'll match or exceed. I don't know if that's happening. That's what happens in pro sports for agency. Who's to say it's not happening here? And I don't know if that happened here with Shedrick. I no inside information on that whatsoever. But that is a factor that can make great visits not materialize into commitments. So, you know, it's there's just a lot of new factors in the recent years that make this a uh, make this kind of a hard but interesting thing to follow it's yeah it's fascinating to follow and i like i will kind of echo like the nil side of it um it makes so much of this really really difficult to uh to talk about because there's this giant unknown of like what factor is nil playing um we we've been under the impression that Mizzou is in good shape with, you know, a lot of the NIL stuff. They worked hard to kind of make sure that they have a strong representation. Um, you know, but you still don't know, like, you know, okay, like there was some account I was throwing around that like Hunter Dickinson is possibly getting like $2 million offers from Kentucky and Kansas. And there's a lot of respected reporters who people that are plugged in, um, 
speaking of, uh, oh, what's the athletic Kentucky athletic writer? Um, there's a few. <laughs> well, yeah, like uh, I've, I've I've got like on my tweet deck, I've got like a you know <laughs> non Mizzou kind of sports stuff. Being he's he's on there a lot, but uh, you know he basically called out that report and said it's it's ridiculous. Um, right. You know, and so you know, but do we really know? I mean, I assume if he's calling it ridiculous, then $2 million is probably too much to expect somebody like Hunter Dixonson to get. But what is the expectation? Um, like we had heard, you know, $500,000, $600,000 for Kayla Love. And it's just like, okay, like, uh, you know, is, is that real? I don't know if that's real. So it, is Missouri offering somebody like Shedrick like $250,000? And, you know, Texas is offering him $400,000. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's a sizable difference. Like, again, like, these are, this is me just, like, tossing out random numbers. We have no idea what any kind of NIL stuff was, like, playing a role or if it even played a role. Like, and that's another thing is, I mean, there are guys who come from families where money isn't a concern. Um, right. You know, and, and obviously, like, you know, I'm not talking about somebody to today's Josh Cronky or something like that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, it, you know, more, uh, just, you know, kid from suburbs, you know, you know, family at home is, is, is doing all right. So he's just going to put himself in the best basketball situation. Um, the one that he believes is, is going to, you know, have him built best longer term earning situation. So, you know, that the team that can maybe help him become a pro better. Versus, you know, like we also know that there have been guys in Missouri's recruiting where NIL is going to be a big factor because they don't have that situation at home, um, you know, and where them earning as much money as possible right now is at the very top of the list, um, you know, to, to try to help alleviate anything that's going on at home. And so, like, these are all things that are happening. Uh, but they're really difficult to report on and really difficult other than just like some rumors here and there, which are completely unquantifiable. So, uh, it, it makes following all this incredibly difficult. The end result though, Missouri did not get their big man. They did not. Uh, they did get another guard. Uh, <laughs> So on Thursday, it was Thursday, right? I'm like losing track of all days. It was. Uh, Caleb Grill committed. And he was a guy who they had on campus. They felt really good about how it went. They thought they had him. And then he left. And he went to West Virginia. And everyone was just like, uh, I don't I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like maybe he gets to West Virginia, likes that, and decides to commit. He did not. Uh, came back around, commits to Mizzou. Uh, Watkins, what are the Tigers getting in Caleb Grill? Um, I think he will be a fan favorite, just knowing who prior fan favorites were at Mizzou. He's got a little Sutherland in him, is what you're saying. Yeah, a little bit. Um, a little bit of Jordan Geist. Uh, you know, different different type of player than Jordan Geist, but the same... Um, you know, throw out all the uh, common descriptors for a six-three white guy, um, but no, seriously, he's he's he plays with an edge. He, he's 
you watch some of his games and he's <clears throat> I won't say it I'm not gonna call him a dirty player. He's not that, but he's he's not going to back down. He if there's a physical confrontation, he will be in it. Um, you know, and I really think that uh obviously keeping that in check is important, but having something like that on your team is important. Um there are going to be nights when things aren't going well. Um, we saw that last year, even though Mizzou was a very good team. But having a little bit of distemper on your team is something that I value. Um, you know, I've I know I've talked with you all about this. Like, I would really like this guy if he just played a little bit more pissed off. <laughs> uh, you know, and obviously you want to keep that somewhat under check somewhat in check you know we've we've been watching Draymond Green in the NBA playoffs and maybe he's keeping it in check I don't know if there's a whole lot more that he has to offer in that category maybe um but there is some value in that um so that's that's one impression and it's certainly not the most important but uh you know he's he's a very good defensive perimeter defensive player I think which is something that the staff valued and they should value um, last year, defense struggled across the board, but uh, getting being able to keep guys out of the lane is important. Um, <clears throat> obviously, coming from Iowa State, they're very good at that. That is what they pride their defense on. I mean, it's called the no middle for a reason, the middle being the lane, keep people out of it. And they do it incredibly well. And if you watch any amount of film, you'll see that Caleb Grill was very good at that. Mizzou will be playing a different system, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the techniques and uh, skills are translatable um, defensively. So that's that's probably my main takeaway. Obviously, he's a good shooter on offense. He's not what I would consider a real versatile offensive player, but he's very good at what he does. Um, a lot of spot up attempts, a lot of catch and shoots. You know, he can attack off the dribble if guys do the flyby, which we saw some examples of that with Mizzou's defense last year. Um, but it's a pretty simple game, but also very effective. To have a guy like that that has those three qualities, um, both offensively, defensively, and a little bit of, um, I don't know how to call it, <laughs> has the right attitude, we'll call it that way. Uh, <laughs> I think I think those thing, those three things are very valuable in what can be a rotation player. Yeah, uh, I would. I I agree with you uh, on a lot of those things. I I do I do think that it's it's beneficial for a roster to have one of those guys who plays with an edge, uh, who's not afraid to kind of mix it up. Um, you know, a guy who is almost always first to the floor. Uh, I also think like you know one of the things that you know, and I think this kind of probably speaks to some of. Um, you know, like some inherent racial biases with, uh, with media members, um, you know, but essentially assuming because it, like a guy is six, three and white, like he's just like this scrappy, uh, right. player, you know, but grills a good athlete. He's a very yes. good athlete. He defends well because he's a good athlete. He can move his feet. Well, he was hampered a lot, uh, middle of last year toward through the end of the last year, you know, up until he got kicked off by, by his back issues. Um, you know, but if you go back and watch grill, you know, as a sophomore, as a junior, um, what you saw, you saw was a guy who is very athletic and, and why he's a good defender is because of that. Um, I think he's going to fit well in this team. I think that, 
Uh, I like the addition of sort of like him and Tamar Bates roughly at the same time because of what they bring individually that sort of complements each other because I think Tamar Bates is a little bit more high ceiling. Uh, you know, he's a guy who is going to be a little bit more versatile offensively. Um, but they're both really good defenders. And, you know, as we saw, like, this team had no trouble scoring uh, last year. And I, I'm anticipating that, you know, uh, Dennis Gates is going to put together another very good offense this year. Um, but having just a little bit of defense, a little bit more grit, uh, you know, out of out of your guards, I think will we'll take this team a little bit further in maybe some of those games where they are playing their best offense. <clears throat> Yeah, I think a lot of the, shouldn't say the descriptions, but there there's some similarities in um, what Caleb Grill brings to kind of the leadership um, on the court, first to the floor, as you mentioned, aspects that Trey Vermillion brought this past year, and we saw throughout the course of the season that when they missed that, that was a big thing. I mean, he wasn't, a, he wasn't one of their top scorers. He wasn't ever leading the team in minutes, but he gave you valuable minutes even if he wasn't scoring. And I think that's something that Grill can do. Um, and I guess I would just, to further my point, um, check out the tweet I shared, the video I shared of after Caleb Grill's commitment, um, where he hit a big three against Texas of all teams and then signaled timeout to the Texas sidelines um, that they needed to call one, and they did not, and the run continued. Um, but I, I guess I don't really know how to describe that in one word, but just that aura of him is what I think of. So, yeah. And it'll, it'll be helpful, uh, on next year's roster. Um, I, I think, I think I, I sort of mentioned in our chat that I sort of saw like a lot of similarities with, between him and Gamillion. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think they're. The, the usages are probably going to be similar. Uh, although I think Grill's much more of a catch and shoot guy, and and Trey was definitely much more of a a driver slasher type. Um, you know, but a lot of like the similar as far as like what their role is going to be in the offense is not going to be the primary focus. Um, they're going to be, you know, the guy kind of hopefully finishing a player, you know, making the extra pass. Or, uh, you know, getting in uh, an open uh, corner three, those kinds of things versus, uh, you know, with, with Bates, I think you, what you hope is he's able to kind of take another step offensively and um, and kind of, you know, be a, a, a secondary scorer based upon who he's playing with, whether, you know, Kobe or, you know, Isaiah Mosley come back uh, and then you can sort of, you know, pair him with those guys. He can he can help them uh yeah with some some late clock motion and and stuff like that um so yeah so overall uh pretty good pretty good situation so far other than the whole shedrick part uh trying to figure out where mizzou goes from here and what they're going to try to do they very clearly want um, an, a, a big man to sort of finish off this class. Um, I think the pursuit of Cleveland is going to continue. Uh, he's reportedly going to Auburn this week. 
Uh, that'll wrap up his visits. He wants to decide pretty quickly after that. I mean, we're already at late April. He wants to have a decision made before spring classes come to an end, which I believe for him is like May 5th. Uh, so it's entirely possible by, you know, this time next week that we know whether or not Matt Cleveland is going to be uh, a Missouri Tiger or not. Whether he is or not, obviously adding a wing with his type of ability is great. Like, that's fantastic. Watkins, what are they going to do about uh, starting center? Are we going to, like, is it going to be Noah again? <laughs> you know, uh, I this is nothing against Noah Carter. I think he's a very valuable player, but I, I hope that we're talking about someone who can allow Noah to play in a more traditional role for himself um, and not have to be tasked with being a six 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 seven center, um, which in certain lineups can work, but I, you know, I have to believe my, with how hard they went after Shedrick, it's obviously one a big. I, you know, Dennis Gates even spoke about it in his press conference was two weeks ago that he's not looking for just size; he's looking for the right type of size. All that being true, you have to have a little bit more than what we've got on the roster because last year we were a very, very undersized team. And who were the two primary interior players? Mohamed Diara, who just committed to North Carolina State University, um, and Kobe Brown, who yesterday declared for the NBA draft. Obviously, he retained his eligibility and his um, right to come back and play another season. But you take those two guys off the roster, <laughs> and last year's team looks really small. And they've did bring in some freshmen. Um, Butler is a center-ish player. I think he's a little bit more versatile than a traditional center, but he's got size. He's seven feet tall. Um, Trent Pierce, another big wing, stretch four type guy. Um, but I don't think if you're building a team to win next year, you're relying on them taking significant minutes at your four and five or what would traditionally be considered the four and five. I know we need to kind of move away from those designations, but the interior we'll call it. Um, I, it, I just, I, I don't think that the answer to that question is currently on the roster. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a situation where they certainly are hoping to get, uh, you know, minutes at the four and the five from both Trent Pierce and uh, uh, Jordan Butler. Um, yeah, I like, I'm, I think I do the same thing a lot of people do. Like, I'm constantly referring to Jordan as his brother, uh, Jonathan. Um, so, but yeah, so I think they want minutes from them, but you don't want to count on those minutes from them. Because, you know, the learning curve with some freshmen, you know, unless you're just a truly elite guy. And as much as I love this this recruiting class, I don't think you consider these three truly elite players. Like, these are all, like, potential long-term pieces that they have that have pro potential. Um, I'm probably the highest on Trent Pierce. Uh, but he's also more of like a 3-4 versus a 4-5. Uh, I think, you know, with Butler, you get that 4-5. Uh, but what, what it 
basically like boils down to is you want somebody with some experience to be able to come in and help you protect the rim. The name that a lot of people are going to associate with Missouri at this point is Jamarian Sharp. Um, you know, Missouri was burned by Sharp last year. Uh, when we were kind of talking about NIL stuff, I think there was um, like some importance for him to be able to uh, kind of mentioned earlier, like wanting to make sure he's earning a <laughs> dollar uh, with his NIL deals. Um, so it may not be the right fit right now for Missouri and Jamarian Sharp. With that said, I mean, I don't think you completely discount it. I just think that based upon what we've seen with how they've approached uh, post players in the portal, they're looking for something that maybe Sharp doesn't provide. He definitely provides rim protection, um, but he's also been, I think you even alluded to this uh, on a, one of the, the previous podcasts, um, some loose coaching, um, and <laughs> how we'll, uh, we'll, we'll define it. So yeah. So his, his couple years at, um, uh, at Western, he didn't really develop a way like a lot of people maybe wanted him to. Um, and so if it's not sharp, then really like, like, who is it? Like, we've only got, I think one other name, uh, on our on our tracker and the, the tracker is basically like what we know uh, and, and has been reported that Missouri has reached out and contacted players. It doesn't mean that there aren't others already out there. And the way things are these days, it's very likely that they've already reached out to somebody uh, or at least someone's camp uh, mm-hmm. who maybe isn't currently in the transfer portal. Um, I just like, I at this point I know you know Matt Harris is worried about the number of guys that are still out there and left that may need a waiver. I like even if you're just trying to get a, like a body. Um, I don't like I I just don't know where where they're going to go uh, unless it's somebody that is not in the portal right now and the portal's still open for like what, another couple weeks. May 11th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, Mizzou's in an interesting situation. I know I had mentioned this too well, but uh, they are they are a prime opportunity for players or more importantly, their family slash representatives slash camp. Um, M- Mizzou is a team that desperately needs something and has NIL funds to pay for that something. Um, and if a player is wanting more NIL funds at his current school, what better way than to have his family reach out to another program's NIL fund and see what they can get from him and what better place to, or what better NIL fund to look at than one that has absolutely nothing on the roster resembling a big man. Um, you know, it's kind of a market situation here that Mizzou is in desperate need of a certain something and it doesn't take an economist to figure out what what people will do to take advantage of that and i'm not suggesting the zoo will get taken advantage of but there's going to be a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes and i would almost go as far as saying there is stuff happening behind the scenes um about post players big men whatever you want to call them reaching out about mizzou's situation because 
Mizzou will have money to get that guy, and whoever that guy is will be able to play a lot of minutes at Mizzou. Um, so, you know, whether that materializes into anything or not, I don't know. But the whole dynamic of the transfer portal in the days with NIL being above board, it really changes. Because it used to be that guys were paid under the table and there were certain programs who did it and certain programs who didn't. Now everyone is able to do it if they've got a fund set up. So why wouldn't you make a call and see what a program is willing to pay for you? You know, that's that's just simple business. And Wazoo just happens to be in desperate need of something. And, um, you know, that's that's a bad spot to be when you're the uh, buyer, but a pretty good spot when you're the seller. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I would say the next week is going to be pretty, pretty important in that to see what manifests considering it did appear that Caden Shudrick was Mizzou's top target there and they didn't get him. So we'll see what happens this week. Might be premature to say who it is or where he's going to come from, but I would imagine there is something that materializes. So we do know that there has been at least some amount of contact um, with the former Vanderbilt uh, post player, uh, Quentin Malora Brown. Uh, Laura Brown was a originally uh, played at Rice, transferred to Vanderbilt. Um, he is sort of like the quintessential serviceable big. Like he's he's a smart player, six uh, ten, I think. Um, not an elite athlete, uh, but very. I would say he's good at using his body. Um, he's a strong kid. I think if you end up in a situation where like the worst case scenario is your, uh, you know, you're, you're signing, you know, instead, but I think if you're signing a guy like Quentin Moore Brown, you're getting probably 18 ish minutes versus maybe, you know, with somebody like Shedrick, you're probably getting 25 to 27. You know, I think with the way that you know, Dennis Gates is trying to structure his roster is he really wants to uh, have more depth than they had last year. And and then if you have that more depth, then the likelihood that you're playing guys more than maybe 30, 32 minutes a game is pretty low. Uh, and that way you're able to kind of cycle in more bodies. Um, if you... Right now, the guard situation looks fine. I think they'll be able to get pretty deep with, with their guards. Uh, the interior, though, like if if it's somebody like Moore Brown, then that basically is creating probably a twenty to twenty-two minute section of the game where you are probably going to have to be playing with guys like Noah Carter or uh, Jordan Butler, uh, you know, or, or Kobe Brown at at the five. And I don't really think that's the ideal situation that they want. Yeah, and I, I think a big thing. Um you know, kind of the elephant in the room, so to speak, is that we just don't know who's coming back on Mizzou's team. You know, Kobe Brown, if he if he were to return to next year's team, uh, you know, having a serviceable serviceable big man like Brown, who you just mentioned, Melora Brown, Brown, I don't Melora Brown. <laughs> we'll call him Quentin. How's that? Well, yeah. you know, you take a guy like you have me. You take a guy like that, and all of a sudden your roster doesn't look that bad because you've got Kobe Brown on. Um, same thing with a Matt Cleveland, same thing with an Isaiah Mosley. You know, if you've got such good perimeter players and such good depth 
with those guys, which if you get a couple of those dominoes to fall your way, you'll have, um, you know, you having just a serviceable guy there will work. Um, Mizzou was good enough a year ago with Kobe Brown effectively meaning the five spot. The thing that really sunk them was not having the guard depth and the perimeter depth to play up tempo for 40 minutes. Um, we were playing, or Mizzou was playing with, what, six and a half, seven players in the rotation by the time they got to the NCAA tournament. If they had 10, but no big guy, they're instantaneously better. Um, <clears throat> which, with what Mizzou has done with adding Grill, Bates, and uh, Tanji, um, you know, they've done that. So, yeah. and again, you can throw the freshman in with this as well, but it's just... It puts a lot of focus on three spots in my mind with Matt Cleveland, Isaiah Mosley, and Kobe Brown. I think if you if you can get two of those guys on your roster and of course playing, um, then you can be a little bit more flexible in that five spot. That's just my opinion. You can play small a lot better. You can make teams defend you. You can make them play a track meet for forty minutes, and that can work. We know that can work. Um, but ideally, you would still like that big guy in the middle. So that's kind of my read on it. Yeah, and so one of the things that uh, we didn't sort of bring up in the uh, the changes over the last week is uh, Caleb Brown entered the transfer portal, uh, which is something that we I don't think anybody is surprised by. But if you're if you're talking about like how you construct a roster and you want Kobe Brown in your roster then the situation sort of becomes where if Caleb wants to be here, then Caleb will be here as long as Kobe's here. Um, you know, essentially you're, you're saying that like Kobe Brown is valuable enough for, you know, essentially making that scholarship somebody that is probably not going to help you next year. Uh, and I think that was sort of the reality that, uh, settled in for for Caleb probably and why he ended up kind of choosing to go into uh, the transfer portal uh, you know is the way that the roster was being constructed it was further reducing his ability to make any kind of impact um, you know like Dennis Gates brought in two uh, or one senior two senior guards uh, yeah so Tanji and um, and Grill and then uh, a kid in the same class who's a former like top 30, 35 level player uh, and was a, a kid who was playing real meaningful minutes for a team who was a four seed. So when you sort of look at it that way, I think it became kind of clear for, for Caleb that if he wanted to play, he was probably going to have to do it elsewhere. Uh, there is a comfort level that he probably felt with uh, Missouri Columbia having his brother around. I know the uh, the family, the Brown family, that you know, they they love Columbia. They, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we feel the possibility of Kobe coming back is pretty high because of how uh, he and the family feel about you know Columbia, Missouri, and and the, their time over the last four years. But my first thought when Co when Caleb hit the portal uh, was whether or not that makes Kobe maybe say, well, you know, like. Maybe originally my thought was I was if I was going to be a first round draft pick I should go, but now it's like if I'm top forty five, top fifty, those guys are getting guaranteed deals now. 
if as long as I'm going to get a guaranteed deal, as long as I have a guaranteed deal from a team who says that they want to take me and give me a guaranteed deal, then maybe it is time to move on. And I think like that situation just makes it so difficult to, uh, to figure out what you're going to do with your roster because of how valuable Kobe Brown made himself to be. Uh, if you can land Matthew Cleveland, great. If Isaiah Mosley comes back, great. Uh, but neither of those guys does what Kobe Brown does. Um, they're probably closer in playing style to each other than anybody is to Kobe Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. So I definitely yeah. think like we're... It, it's going to be interesting because they, they still want to get a big man. They still want Matthew Cleveland. And then if you get Kobe and Isaiah back and you have a good big man, like I really thought like if, if, if Shedrick hits the roster, I really thought like this is a team that could probably be getting some early top 10, top 15 votes. Like that's the kind of level of team that you'd be looking at if you bring all that talent back. Um, but you know, like not having that, that sort of valuable guy in the middle uh, who can help you protect the rim, who can help rebound. You know, it, it does sort of lower your ceiling. And I still think, you know, if Kobe, Zay, Cleveland, it's still probably a top 25 team. But, what you know, what's the goal for next year? And I think if Kobe Brown's coming back, like he, he probably wants to make sure that they're not just making the tournament, but making a run in the tournament. Uh, you know, and, and that's probably something they have to wait too. Like they have to make sure that they have the roster depth and the roster depth in certain positions uh, enough to, to bring that guy back. I mean, if, if you're building a team that is disallowed from having anyone taller than 6'8 on it um, and you want him to play up-tempo, playing five out, flowing through the high post, Kobe Brown is the perfect player to do that. And we saw that last year. Um you take that away and it it changes the dynamic a little bit. I go back to the 2009 team with uh, Mike Anderson's 2019 with DeMori Carroll and Leo Lyons. Neither of them were traditional big men, uh, but they did things well. They were able to rebound. They were able to generate steals. They were able to score the ball, even though they weren't back to the back to the basket centers. So you know, Kobe Brown is not exactly like those guys, but he's similar in that he is a small ball five and can be, but you have to have everything going real well around that to work. Otherwise, you're going to get killed on the boards, which Mizzou saw quite a bit last year. Um, and you, you can negate that by just being an absolute turnover menace, um, which Mizzou at times was, but you you need that depth and you need those pieces back. And without an Isaiah Mosley, a Matt Cleveland, or certainly a Kobe Brown, it gets harder to do that. But, you know, I, I just think that if you get those three pieces back, or two of the three anyway, uh, <clears throat> then I think that really kind of, I don't want to say lessens the need of a prime rim protector, um, Mizzou would love to have that, but I think it makes it um, more manageable in not having it. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I do think that knowing whether or not you're getting, you know, Kobe, Matt Cleveland, certainly, uh, you know, we're still very high in 
what Isaiah Mosley could possibly bring if he's able to come back. Uh, you know, those three, you you want somebody who can be around the rim for him, uh, finish finish plays. Um, and so I think we're definitely in a period, hopefully over the next week, where we get a, maybe a clearer picture of what Missouri is going to do in the, the sort of the, the Shedrick fallout. Uh, I, I mean, I know that, like, they have not, you know, been only recruiting Caden Shedrick. Um, so I think we're just at a point now where we're going to see there is anybody who is going to hit the portal. Um, I know there's rumors out there uh, of of some, you know, some bigs who would certainly help. Uh, and I, I told I don't... you that my, my yellow shirt tonight does not represent any teams that those guys may play out. <laughs> Unlike Caleb Love, I just happen to be wearing yellow today. So. Yes. Well, I've just I've just got the gray T-shirt on, so uh, that that could be anybody. Uh, everybody with their their alternate uniforms these days. Uh, so yeah, so we're we're gonna learn a lot over the next week, um, and then we'll be back to talk about it. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before we get out of here? Or did I miss anything? No, I mean I thought when you were giving me the lead into Caleb, you had mentioned uh, a guy we haven't talked about a whole lot. I thought that was going to be my opening for Isaiah Mosley, but seeing the time, I don't think that's going to be time enough to really dig into that. Nothing nothing new on that front. We believe that the chances of him coming back are probably greater than not, but uh, that wasn't what I wanted to talk about. I just love talking about Isaiah Mosley and his ability to play basketball. He, he, he's like He's like your basketball bay. Just love that guy. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember who it was. I had shared something on Twitter, and another one of my fellow analytics nerds chimed in. And he's like, "This guy's just a freak of analytics nature." And I'm like, "He really is." <laughs> well, and and when you like when you watch him shoot and stuff, like none of it really makes sense, but it it works. Um, I think I remember. Uh, it, we'll we'll just refer to uh, for them as a as a source uh, attended uh, a Missouri basketball practice. He's like, I don't know how these guys won all these games. Like, I don't know how Isaiah Mosley scores the ball. Like, it it never looks like the ball's going in, and then it just goes in. It's like, but he's talking about like Missouri last year. He's like, this is not a good roster. <laughs> it's like, like, and here they are. Like. He, I think at that point they had won, you know, 18 or 19 games. It's like, I don't know. I don't have any idea how they're winning. Like, they're not that good. But. Turned out they were. It, pretty good. I mean, like, this, I, I think, you know, and I, I've talked to another one of my sort of coaching buddies, and, and he's like, how are they doing it? I'm like, honestly, like, they just have a style of play that works. And, uh, like, very rarely – was Missouri taking the team or taking the floor last year where they, I think they were the, the better, more talented team, especially in the sec. Uh, but that's not, that's not how you win games. You don't win games on talent. You win games on preparation, shot making, uh, you know, and, and basically you sort of bending the game to your will. And Missouri just did that more often. Like it, it's not complicated. Uh, like if you're able to make shots, especially in the sec, like, you can beat so many teams. Um, like we talked about like Ole Miss as an example, like Ole Miss's roster was talented, but they couldn't shoot. They had like one dude who could make threes 
uh, Matthew Morrell. And if he had an off night, they were cooked. And there's just like nothing they could do to score the ball. So yeah, Mizzou's success so much last year was dependent upon we can score the ball better than you can score against our defense. <laughs> uh, you know, and it it's not the most basketball purist pleasing way, but it was effective. Um, there were times that Mizzou didn't score the ball well and things got really, really ugly. Yeah. Um, you know, that, the you get that of hand and have an off night. Um, so there, there's just not much margin for error, but I mean, when Mizzou shot the ball well, there was a really, really, really good chance they were going to win the game because they could really, really shoot the ball well on those nights. So, well, you know, you know Matt, that's, they did have that that seventy points uh, points per game uh, <laughs> record that everybody always referred to, and where it was like that that's not it, that's not it, that's not the key. Seventy points is not the key because it's, yeah, I think they looked it up there. There would have been something like twelve and twenty three had they scored exactly seventy points in every game this season. Oh. I think I think it, uh, if you go back, I think they only lost. Are they only one one game where they scored less than like one point zero eight points per possession? Um, really, it was you know, and, and that and that game was the overtime game against Mississippi State. When I want to say they were like point nine six or point nine five, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, it, so it, it's if you're playing seventy possessions and you're scoring one point one points per possession. You're going to start getting seventy points, <laughs> like, that's, right? Like one point one points per possession is is difficult to 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 uh, defeat. Um, all right, well we're we rambled on for an extra like three or four minutes here just on talking about Mizzou. Uh, we will have all uh, off season to continue to talk about this stuff. Um, but as I've said before, uh, I'm going to continue to kind of do these weekly uh, vid slash podcasts. Uh, until we have a finalized roster, then we'll probably take some uh, some time off. Uh, so Missouri didn't have a finalized roster, so we're I'm back next week probably with the other Matt. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you like this podcast, down below is a, a subscribe button. Smash that. Uh, hit the like button as well. Subscribe to our podcast feed if you are listening uh, through Apple Podcasts or whatever. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, uh, wherever you download and listen to your podcast, uh, Rock M Radio is available there. We'd like to thank uh, Fans for Sports Network for their support and, and our feed. Um, and uh, yeah, follow him at Data Mizzou on Twitter. And follow me at Sam T. Snelling. We, uh, we retweet all the Mizzou news that comes out of the transfer portal these days. Uh, head on over to rockamation.com. You can read all up on the, the most recent uh, updates on the portal tracker. Uh, Matt Harris, I think, has a piece coming out on Caden Shedrick. Uh, tomorrow you can find out all the things that kind of went into that move uh, and all the things that are coming. And so we'll be back next week. And until then, thanks for tuning in. Right.